Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome. This is the MMA Reaction, and I'm your host, E. Koi Ivy. Uh, today is episode number 43. Uh, topics today are Bare Knuckle FC number 5, Lobov vs. Knight, uh, UFC rankings, ESPN Plus becomes the pay-per-view exclusive for the UFC events, and then, of course, UFC 236 is this weekend, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. Hope you guys have a great week, and I appreciate the fuck out of you. Yeah, you can tell him I got this. Haters can try, but can't stop this. Sitting up promptly, wallowing my conscience. It's haunting with faults. I deliver to exhaustion. Try to keep steady, and I deal with all the nonsense. I'm on a straight path, trying to be legendary. This ain't hard to be cards up in February. I know it's necessary. It's my time to counter act. I've been ready for war. I call this battle rap. All right, Bare Knuckle FC number five took place uh, a couple days ago. Uh, it featured a main event between, some would say, the GOAT, Artem Lobov versus Jason Knight, both former UFC uh, fighters, not really contenders, but definitely you know UFC caliber at one time or another. The interesting thing about this, or, or maybe it's not interesting, but it was a little bit funny, was... That when they were giving the records of Artem and Jason, who both have, you know, sub 500 style records. I don't know if they're exactly 500, but they're close. They, instead of saying, you know, fighting out of this corner, you know, fighting out of Russia, wherever the fuck, with a professional record of, you know, 15 wins and two losses. Instead, they just totaled the total amount of fights. And so they just said... They just go, oh, fighting out of this red corner, uh, UFC veteran of 26 fights, you know, Artem Lobov. And they did the same thing with Jason Knight. It was actually kind of hilarious because they know that their records are so unimpressive that it's just better to say how many fight, how many total fights they've fought in uh, to try to prove their worth is in terms of experience, not so much in uh, wins and losses, which I thought was kind of funny. So anyway, the fight, the fight is... Um, as you would expect, man, it was a real slugfest, and I did see a lot of people on social media were saying that it's fight of the year. Um, and I guess I guess it kind of depends on how you determine what a fight of the year is. Um, and obviously, there's a different set of standards depending on if you're a casual fan or if you're a hardcore fan or if you're somewhere in the middle between that. But it, it was a it was a slugfest. It was a bloodfest. It was a slobber, knock, slobber knocker. It was a barn burner. I mean, you could use a bunch of these um, metaphors of what kind of fight it was. But for me personally, fight of the year doesn't add up to what this fight was. But that doesn't mean that I wasn't entertained with the contest. Obviously, it was entertaining. I mean, yeah, the funny thing is, is like in the middle, it was like the third round. And there's like, maybe it, was, it might have been the second round. And this huge fight starts in the crowd. Of this uh, of this arena, and the announcers are making reference to the fight in the crowd, and you you notice, you know, when a when a fight breaks out that's not the two professionals fighting, everybody watches the fight that's in the crowd, right? And it kind of equates to this Artem Lobov and Jason Knight fight because it kind of reminds you of a fight in the crowd. Um, although these guys are accomplished mixed martial artists, and they're you know boxers in their own right, and they are professional fighters. It still felt like a like a street fight, so to speak. It wasn't very technical. I mean, it was literally a barroom brawl slugfest. Um, 
again, these types of fights are very entertaining. They're like, they're like a train wreck. You gotta watch. You gotta look. You gotta see what's gonna happen. I get all of that. I get all of that, and I'm and I'm down for it. But I'm not resigned to the fact that I'm gonna say yes. That's a fight of the year. A fight of the year to me goes beyond something like that. Like I want to see two fighters at the top of their game going back and forth, giving and taking. That's a fight of the year. The two examples that come to mind right right away are a fight like Darren Till and Stephen Wonderboy, Tom- Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Now I know I know you guys are gonna say, "Oh, that fight was boring and slow." It was technical, is what it was. It was it was legit a chess match chess match between two elite level strikers. To me, and I might be in the minority of that I'm not I'm not saying I'm not saying that uh, it's a matter of fact. I'm just saying for me personally. A technical contest is more of a fight of the year for me. Something that that I, I look at the whole of the fight and I see where the technical skill is and I see where the level of competition is from one another. And the 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 Till versus Wonderboy fight was that for me. It was very technical. I, I enjoyed that fight. It wasn't incredibly entertaining or exciting, but it was a fight of the year for me, right? Because it was it was it was a very highly contested, very technical, very difficult fight for both of those men. Um, another fight would be like the Megan Anderson versus Holly Holm fight. That was a great fight. Now that wasn't a fight where it was um, two two fighters with similar skill sets fighting one another. But what it was, if you watch that fight, and I've mentioned that fight a bunch of times on this podcast because I I really enjoyed it. To me, that was like a fight of the year because it was so perfect for mixed martial arts because it was. You saw every aspect of, of MMA within that fight, and both those two women were so well equated at, at all aspects of mixed martial arts, whether it was jiu-jitsu, whether it was wrestling, grappling, whether it was kickboxing, boxing, Muay Thai. I mean, every facet of mixed martial arts was displayed by both women in that fight. And that's the best way I can sum up what a fight of the year is to me. Um, now, you also have those crazy fights like... Dan Henderson versus Shogun Hua, where you got two very, very, very good fighters, and they absolutely both went all out and completely left defensive fighting aside and just, you know, swung on each other. And then again, that becomes a slugfest to me. Very entertaining, incredible fight, one that definitely sticks out in your memory, but it, to me personally, it's just not the fight of the year. So, so regarding Lobov and Knight, definitely not the fight of the year for me. But it was interesting, it was entertaining, it was gruesome and brutal. And then it kind of leads me into the other caveat to this bare-knuckle fighting. Now, if, if any of you guys are fans of Joe Rogan, you've heard him on, on his podcast talk about the, the, the need for some change regarding whether fighters wear gloves or not. Now, when you wear a glove on your hand, and even in the UFC, the gloves are four ounces, so they're not really that big. They're mostly just protecting your, your own knuckles more than anything else. And he's touted, Joe's touted that, hey, man, you know, gloves aren't necessary because when you when you tape up your wrist and you tape up your hand, you're, you're creating an artificial surface, so to speak, with your wrist. You're making your wrist tighter so it has less flexibility so you can technically hit harder when your wrist is all taped up. So the idea behind not fighting with gloves on means that the fighters have to be more technical because they're going to risk breaking their hands or damaging their wrist or spraining their, spraining their hand at a much more frequent rate because they're not punching correctly. 
right? Because the hand, the the glove on the hand protects you from silly technical mistakes when you're throwing punches, which is very true. But I think I think Joe's wrong on this right here because if you were to look at the the faces of those two men after the fight, it looked like it looked like they got they got ran over by a truck or they got hit with a lead pipe. I mean, whether you like it or not, when you go bare knuckle, cuts are inevitable. And and truth be told, it still might be safer for the fighters to not get hit with gloved hands because of the fact that the wrist isn't taped up and there's more flexibility in the hand. So it's kind of a trade-off, right? Less brain damage, less brain trauma, but it looks more gruesome and the the blood and cuts are way more severe. It just is. And we've seen bare knuckle fighting for five events now and it's kind of been the same for all five of those events. Uh, the other one that comes to mind was when Joey Beltran fought that other dude. I, I apologize, I cannot remember his name. But that was another just really bloody, gruesome-looking fight. So, to Joe Rogan's point, is this something that people really want to see? Because I'll be honest with you, when you watch bare-knuckle fighting, it seems low-rent. It seems less organized it seems it seems like you're stepping back in time going back to the early ufc days that's what it feels like now obviously perception is perception so just because of what you see isn't always what it really is but for me it felt a little uneasy watching the bare knuckle fight in terms of, of just the 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 blood and gore um in terms of fight lobob did win a decision um i honestly I don't really care who won or lost. I, I would have probably given it to Jason Knight, to be honest with you. But, I mean, it doesn't really matter. Um, this sets up, for, for bare knuckle, this sets up a perfect fight between Lobov and um, Malinaji, which was kind of pre a precursor to the fight anyway. I will tell you this, though. Um, if Malinaji comes in in shape and it's a strict boxing fight, um, I think Artem gets his ass handed to him. I really believe that because if you watch the fight with Jason Knight, now these guys are MMA guys. Now, MMA guys are not at the level of an actual professional boxer like Malinaji. Truth be told, if Artem and Malinaji got in a fight and it, it involved anything other than straight boxing, Malinaji gets worked, gets defeated easily. Artem beats the crap out of him, no problem. But if you're talking about the strict discipline of boxing, Artem is, 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 is not going to beat Malinaji if he comes in well-trained and in shape. Not going to happen. It's good for bare knuckle. They're going to make some money on it. They're both, they're both marketable names. I mean, Artem might be the worst fighter to have such a marketable name where people actually pay to watch him fight, even though they know he's going to lose. So there's that. Um, overall, I didn't watch any other fight on the card. I just watched the uh, replay of the Lobov versus Knight fight. Um, it's not... I don't know. It just doesn't it doesn't really spark an interest with me with the bare knuckle fighting. Um, so, but this particular fight was was cool, and I and I took a look at it, um, and that's that's about it. Uh, next topic: uh, Leon Edwards had made a comment um, regarding UFC rankings, um, and I'm going to read you his quote. It's a little bit long, but it says, "It's a mad game. Uh, it's it's no more it's no more about fighting. It's more about talkers. Whoever talks." The most gets the most opportunities. I feel like that's where the sport is going. It's more like WWE now. You trash talk and you don't have to perform well. There's, there's people losing and 
and that trash talk, and they're still above me in the ranking. It's a mad game. All I can do is keep focusing on myself, keep chipping away, keep beating these guys, and they're putting, keep beating these guys they're putting in front of me. I'm number one, so I'll, I'll fight them all, and I'll beat them all. Now, Edwards is on a seven-fight win streak after that win over Gunnar Nelson, which was a split decision. Seven fights, all in the UFC, very good competition. Uh, the last two most notable, though, with, with Donald Cerrone and uh, Gunnar Nelson. The other guys, very good fighters. He does have a win over Vincent Luque, which is, he's a real high, high, highly touted prospect right now. So the idea is from Leon is like, this is getting ridiculous. I keep fighting. I keep winning. Yet my, my status in the rankings doesn't seem to improve to the level that I've proven with a seven-fight win streak, which is kind of true. Uh, I think he's very good, and I think um, I think Leon Edwards is 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 really underrated for the division. Um, but he's right; he doesn't talk a, a ton, and, and in fact, when he does talk shit, he gets he gets uh, Masvidal give him a three-piece and a soda. So um, it's interesting to see the evolution of how fight rankings are um, traditionally. Uh, fighter rankings, whether it would be boxing or MMA, was always done. It was a, it was a it was an arbitrary media outlet, right? So each media outlet, like whether it be MMA Junkie or Sure Dog or MMA Fighting, they would all put out their own rankings based on whatever their uh, journalists thought. So a few years back, UFC started their own ranking system, which kind of consisted of the same thing. It just consisted of their of the UFC selecting particular media members to do to, to vote on who they thought who they thought were the best in a particular division, uh, with the champions always being the champion, and then they they rank it one through fifteen or whatever uh, to determine where the rankings are. So the problem with this is that it's subjective, right? Because you're depending on a journalist or a media member to actually vote on who they think is or isn't ranked a certain level. But I think for the most part, they're, they're, they're not that bad. I think for the most part, there's always room for debate or argument depending on who's number six or who's number five. But generally speaking, the top of the heaps at the top of the rankings and the middle in the middle of the rankings and the bottom are the bottom of the rankings. Generally speaking, you can always swap a few, a few fighters you know, within those little ranges between, you know, say, like the top five and then five through ten and then ten through fifteen. You can always you know, swap them within that little range. But for the most part, the best fighters at the top and the good fighters at the bottom. It's just the way it works. So for Leon to be number 15, though, um, given his win streak and given the fact that he's got some pretty notable wins, I can kind of see that he should be, he should probably be in the top 10. I mean, he beat Gunner and Donald Cerrone. I think that merits a top 10 in the division. Um, so so I, I can empathize with his with his complaints and his his uh, concerns with how the ranking system is actually working out. I just think that he just he's re- what he really needs is that is that next fight to get him over the hump. And it doesn't look like it's going to be massive at all, unfortunately. Which I really did think that would be a good fight, and that would probably get him over the hump, the, at least in terms of getting him his name in that top ten. But really, any any you know, ranked opponent right now is going to be good for Leon, but he really does need a name, somebody with some recognition that would that would really propel him uh, into the rankings. Um, and and you know what, honestly, Edwards could probably beat most of the top ten, I think. But anyway, he's upset about it. I get it. 
and uh, hopefully, hopefully uh, in his next fight, we can actually see some kind of progression. Um, Brennan Schaub has a podcast called Below the Belt. And if you didn't already know, um, ESPN Plus is now the sole proprietor, proprietor to all pay-per-views for the UFC. This is a lot bigger news than you might think it is on the surface because how, how the pay-per-view model used to work is that the UFC would buy time with the the pay-per-view provider, right? So they actually have to pay up front to get the airtime. Then they make that money back on the back end when they charge you that $70 to watch the pay-per-view. But what happens is, is, is essentially they're buying the time to air it and then they have to split the proceeds of the pay-per-view. So now with this with their their contract with ESPN Plus, all of those net proceeds get to go to 100% to the UFC. So they're no longer splitting the proceeds, which actually is quite a big deal. Um, so to get back to Brendan Schaub, what he was saying on his podcast was that the era, the entertainment era of the UFC is now over because because of that pay-per-view model for the UFC to make the most money possible, they had to have a lot of pay-per-view buys. So they had to have the likes of the GSPs, they had to have the Brock Lesnar's, they had to have the Conor McGregor's, they had to have the Anderson Silva's, they had to have these giant Ronda Rousey-esque style names to make the maximum amount of money on pay-per-view buys because they, they want, because they have to split their proceeds, really they want to get as much as possible to make as much money, but now that's not, that's not a thing anymore. So what Brendan Schaub is saying is that if you thought the UFC gave a fuck about the fighters then, they're definitely not going to care now because now they're making 100% of the proceeds. So it doesn't really matter how big of a star a fighter is. The UFC is going to make their money on that pay-per-view no matter what. Especially considering ESPN Plus is only $4.99 a month. With uh, pay-per-views, I think they might charge $50. It might be a little more than that. Um, don't quote me on the actual price. But it's going to be a lot. It, it, theoretically, it's going to be more affordable for the consumer. And the UFC isn't splitting their proceeds. So they don't depend on that Nate Diaz, Nick Diaz style personality to sell tickets anymore. They're going to sell tickets no matter what. So now the UFC is not really going to give a fuck, give a fuck about any fighter. So they don't require this big superstar anymore. These giant personalities, these shit talkers, these, these uh, fun personalities that MMA fans fall in love with. They're no longer necessary for the UFC to make their money. Now money is the most important thing to WME who owns the the UFC so I kind of agree with Brendan Schaub where the dia the, the the UFC has always been about themselves anyway they've never really been about the fighters that's been their business model from from day one is to build the brand not the fighters the UFC is always ahead of the fighters that's how it's always been and it's been very successful business model for them that's not to say that the UFC doesn't take care of their fighters or at least their big stars but the UFC always comes first, and now more so than ever with this deal with ESPN, it's really in the forefront that the UFC stands to make the most amount of money. The good thing for guys like me is I'm, I'm done with the entertainment era. I'm tired of the fake animosity. I'm tired of the fake shit talking. I would really like to see a shift. the shift be more about the fighters and a little bit more about respect. If if the juice is real, if the if the conflict is real, if the if the rivalry is legitimate, 
I I enjoy the fuck out of it. I like I like, you know, like I talked about last week. I like the conflict, if it's genuine. Like the 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 Cormier and Jones conflict is real as it gets. I enjoy that. What I don't enjoy is the fake banter. It drives me fucking crazy. So the idea behind the UFC not have to have any big stars or have to have these these fake personalities to strum up business, these Kobe Covington style motherfuckers who are just being offensive for the sake of, of marketing is, is not going to be a, as much of a factor because now we're just going to see fighters fight. So I like that idea about it. I don't necessarily like the idea of the UFC taking even more control away from the fighters because if the fighters have even less leverage, then we're never going to see the fighters make the kind of money that they deserve. And so that's a, like, kind of like a whole nother conversation. At the end of the day, with this new pay-per-view model, it, it, it's got good points and it's got bad points, but at the end of the day, I do kind of agree with Brendan about uh, the UFC no longer needing a large, giant blockbuster star to, to run to make that money, right? Because they could have ran four McGregor pay-per-views or even like say two giant McGregor pay-per-views and made their money for the whole year on just on those buys alone. Now it's just going to be really consistent net proceed money from running it through ESPN because their money's always going to be there. So it's actually quite interesting. And uh, for, for the fan, it's great though because it's cheap. It, er, it's cheaper, you should say. At $4.99 a month, is really cheap for the amount of content you get. And if the pay-per-views are going to be, you know, 50 bucks, 30 bucks, whatever they charge for them, that's going to be a savings that we're going to like too. Or on the flip side, if we don't watch the pay-per-view, if we have an ESPN Plus subscription, we're going to be able to watch replays, which is a huge bonus because we're not we're not all capable to watch pay-per-views on the schedule of the pay-per-view on a Saturday night depending on our work, on our families, whatever we got going on. Sometimes it'd be nice to watch a replay a week later or maybe the next day or however many, how much separation time they actually want after the fight. It'd be nice to be able to watch a replay without trying to find some shitty stream recording from YouTube or something like that. So at the end of the day, I think, I think the pay-per-view model with ESPN Plus is probably going to be a benefit to, to the fight fan and to the UFC, but it will be a bit of a disservice in terms of, in terms of negotiating power for the actual fighters themselves. So... It'll be quite interesting to see what path and what road uh, fighters go down. And we'll really see if this entertainment era of uh, mixed martial arts is going to start to finally subside. And we'll start getting some respect back into the sport. And then finally, uh, UFC 236 is coming up on April 13th next weekend. This is a pretty big card. Um, It features a main event between Max Holloway and Dustin Poirier. Uh, a co-main event between Kevin Gaslam and Israel Acedania. Eric Anders fighting Khalil Roundtree. Alan Joban versus Dwight Grant. And Ovin St. Preux versus Nikita Krylov uh, rounds out the main card. Um, in terms of the main event, it's obviously a big card. Uh, it's a big fight for Dustin. Um, I think I still favor Max Holloway. Uh, everyone, everyone is assuming... Well, I can't say everyone, but the people I talk to, everyone's really high in Adesanya, which they should be. Adesanya is an amazing talent. But don't discount what Kevin Gaslam has been able to do at middleweight. Kevin Gaslam is an accomplished wrestler, probably the best wrestler that Adesanya has ever faced, for sure. 
and his boxing is crisp as fuck. If you watch watch some of Gaslam's fights previously and watch that one two. That jab, that jab straight one two combination that he has might be the best in the business. I'm not saying that it's going to be easy for Gaslam, but I'm also not saying that it's going to be easy for Adesanya. This is a real challenge for Adesanya. Forget the reach, forget the length. It's not just going to be a, a fight where Adesanya just runs right through Gaslam. If he does happen to do that, if Adesanya does make Gaslam look rudimentary, then, then absolutely sign him up. He's going to be the next champion. He's probably going to be a champion for many years. I just don't discount what Gaslam is capable to do. That's all I'm saying. Gaslam's no joke. He's a damn good fighter, and, he, and he's, he's better than people are really giving him credit for. So I think we should be looking for that. And, and, it, and the way this year's pay-per-views have gone and, and, and big fight cards have gone with the likes of Masvidal versus, um, versus Till and Pettis versus Wonderboy. It's been a lot of crazy knockouts and unexpected victories so far this year. So don't expect... Adesanya just to run right through Kelvin. I think Kelvin's got a real chance. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying I necessarily favor him to beat Israel, but I would not be surprised, especially given the the, the outlook so far this year of Gaslam really making turning some heads and doing some damage. Um, don't forget, Adesanya is susceptible to KO. He's been KO'd in kickboxing fights before. It's not like he hasn't experienced that. So, um, to me, that fight's a little bit more interesting than the Holloway versus Poirier fight. Although that's a good fight and I love Holloway and and Poirier. I think the skill level set is is um a lot different. It, it, the gap is the gap between Holloway and, and Poirier is it's much more significant than the gap between Gastelum and Adesanya in my opinion for what the fuck is worth. But to wrap that all up in a bow, fuck dude, it's so hard to predict fights. It is so hard to actually predict who is going to win, especially in this day and age when I've, I've been beating this, this horse to death about all fighters are just good now. Everybody, everybody who's a professional fighter at the UFC level, they can all fight, man. And they all have the potential path to victory. You know what I mean? So, big fight card. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, and other than that, I think I'm going to end it right there. So, I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or statements, please hit me up at the uh, MMA reaction at gmail.com or on Instagram at the MMA reaction. I'm sorry, the underscore MMA underscore reaction. And uh, I also have a YouTube channel under the same name if you want to check that out. It's just kind of a, I mostly just put little clips of the podcast onto there uh, to try to suck more people into the download the podcast. So anyway, I appreciate you guys very much. Hope you have a good week and uh, I'll see you uh, when I see you. Then each and all of you can't you see and gotta prove you're wrong